Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. And today on Fan Mail Friday, those questions come from you. All right, let's cut right to it. Hey guys, in the beginning of my relationship, my boyfriend often needed reassurance about my feelings for him since he was battling through some insecurities. Over a few months, those faded, but now I'm the one that feels insecure. When he would open up to me about how he was feeling, I always made sure to hear him out and support him in any way that I could. When I voice my need for reassurance, he listens and does what he can to make me feel better, but I only ever feel better for a few days. I notice I feel most insecure when we're in a slight dip in the passion area of the relationship. We're not intimate as much, and he doesn't tell me I'm beautiful or pretty or amazing quite as often as he usually does. I know that relationships are always cycling in terms of passion, and I have no issue with that. My issue is that I clearly need external validation through him showering me with attention, either verbally or through touch. As soon as I don't feel wanted 24-7, I get insecure, especially when I don't feel desired sexually. Do you have any advice for taking steps towards not needing external validation? This also bleeds into other areas of my life as well. I know, I probably sound really vain, but I think my past with an emotionally abusive ex and past sexual assaults over the years have somehow made me correlate sexual desire to some type of worthiness. I actually notice when months go by and I haven't received as many compliments on how I look from other people, and I definitely notice when the passion to be around me is fading. Again, I'm aware this sounds so vain. Most people would describe me as nice, introverted, etc. And this is me being sensitive to how I appear to AOC listeners. Mm. This is just a very deep, not so attractive piece of my psyche I want to figure out. I find my gym efforts are fading as well due to no internal drive. The external drive to look good is there, but that only lasts for so long before I stop caring and stop going. I need help on not needing external validation in my relationship with my boyfriend, as well as from others for the sake of my gym efforts. Thanks, Rashida. Hey, Rashida. So this is interesting because right when you mentioned earlier about, you know, this external validation and seemingly almost like a pathological need for this, I immediately wondered, huh, is this is the result of maybe some sexual trauma and bingo, right? That it's it's so predictable somehow, unfortunately, with sexual assault and things like that, that this is a a result thereof. And I think having an emotionally abusive ex may actually be the result of your filtering mechanism. And I don't know exactly how this works. This is a question for somebody who's a psychologist, Jason. We might have to get this going at some point. But I've noticed that oftentimes when women are sexually assaulted, what comes right after that is an emotionally abusive ex because those people push the right buttons on victims or past victims or people who've been victimized, I should say, by sexual assault. And then they end up in a relationship there. And it ends up kind of hammering the nails into the idea that this person like Rashida needs external validation and needs to be constantly reassured. And it's really strange. It's almost like hammering down the hatch of insecurity and and low self-esteem. And it's really unfortunate. So the good news is, Rashida, that you know it's you and not him. That's really good news, because if you thought it was him, you would have to filter in somebody who's going to reassure you constantly. The problem is people who do that they do that in many ways to control you. Like your emotionally abusive ex probably reassured you when he wanted you to feel a certain way and didn't and withheld that when he wanted you to feel bad so he could control your actions and behavior. Of course, as you know, this need for external validation is bad because it drains energy out of good, healthy relationships by draining one partner into another. In other words, it's draining your boyfriend into you in order to sustain. And you both need to bring energy 
to the relationship. And I don't mean metaphorical energy. I mean actual energy. It's exhausting to constantly reassure and placate somebody. And if you're not bringing in any energy, you're not going to be able to serve his needs when he needs that from you and when he needs to conserve his own energy uh, for himself, to take care of himself. So I would say, look, this isn't something I'm going to fix in an email Look into therapy, not necessarily relationship therapy, because this is more about you. I'm not saying you can't bring your boyfriend to your therapist here and there, but this is more about you. And what your therapist is going to do, among many other things, is tell you to find hobbies and things that you like doing based on your interests that have no possibility for external validation. And this is going to bring in the idea that you can do things for yourself. And we're talking about gardening, non-competitive, sports, arts and crafts, anything like that, reading, taking time off, going to get a massage, this type of self-care is probably alien to you, which is totally understandable. But here's what I'm going to end with. You know, go to therapy, get it done. You are not broken. You just sprung a leak and it can be plugged. And once it is plugged, you'll find ways to add energy to your relationships. You probably already are. It's just that you're still leaking as well. So I have a lot of faith in you for being this self-aware enough to write in and to realize probably where this comes from. That means that you're already well on your way to figuring out how to plug the holes. So Rashida, we are rooting for you. Please keep us posted on how you're doing as well. It's tough to hear, Jason, when that happens. That's, it's a shame because some of this, this traumatic stuff turns otherwise healthy people, it really does poke a hole in the psyche. And it's just such a crappy thing to do to somebody and to, to see done to someone. Yeah, and the the predatory ex boyfriends who you know were abusive after she was assaulted just kind of make me sick to my stomach, right? I mean, those people in itself, the way I sort of rationalize this ugliness in the world is that those people are also very damaged. Yeah, and they're damaged, and they're taking it out. They're reenacting this on their partner. So it's this weird dance of equally unhealthy people being unhealthy with each other, which means that you kind of have to leave that particular partnership if you're going to get healthy because the other person, you might be trying to plug the holes and the other person keeps going, no, 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 I need you with the the, the, the holes. And they keep plug, punching holes in the in your psyche and in the bucket in order to control you. Whereas it sounds like now Rashida's got a healthy partner, but healthy partners, no matter how understanding, after a while are going to be like, I can't take this anymore. Unless you're taking steps to rectify the situation, which hopefully she will be doing at this point now that she's aware. No, definitely. We're rooting for you. Okay, next up, we got a quick follow-up note. Hi, Jordan. This is in response to Rochelle from Fan Mail Friday 112, who has the sick father. I experienced a loss in my life where my mother was sick. My mother was terminally ill with stage 4 breast cancer, and little did I know I didn't have as much time as I thought I would. My recommendation for her is to not stop living your life altogether, but to really cherish those moments that you have left. The one thing she should do is record a video and ask her dad anything and everything. I interviewed my mom while she was bedridden, but still able to talk. I asked her about life, where she grew up, what she wanted to do, and advice for what to do when you're lost, when you're sad, and what was very important in life, and what she would say to her future grandkids and my future wife, etc. It ended up being a 35-minute video, and I'm so happy that I have that. My only regret is that I didn't film more. Losing a loved one is always difficult, and I find myself still working on rebuilding after my personal loss. But try finding the people you know, like, and trust to be your support system. Matthew. Man, this is really tough. And the reason that I wanted to include this note was because I thought the video thing was brilliant. I 
And I, that is such a cool idea. I don't, now that everyone has smartphones, you don't even need to set up a video camera on a tripod. You can just hang out. You can get a $20 tripod, audio, mic, whatever setup for your phone and leave it in a hospital room while you guys chat and just have conversations. And that will be a really cool living memory of the person that you're saying goodbye to. And I think the earlier you start this, the better. I just I just love this idea. I want to this makes me want to interview my parents now while they're perfectly healthy. I've actually been doing that with my dad to get stories about my grandfather who I didn't really get to know that well. And he was a coal miner and he had tons of great stories. So my dad and I'll sit around with a glass of wine and I'll pull out the microphones and he'll actually tell me some stories and I'll bring out the microphones and record them. I've actually released one on a podcast a while ago. And it's it's amazing. I highly recommend it. And and you get to, you know, just talk about stuff that you normally wouldn't talk about. And it gets, you know, your family talking. So you get a little bit of a deeper connection while you're doing that at the same time. It's really cool. That is a great idea. I think it's such a powerful thing. You know, now I'm interviewing all these other interesting people, but I kind of think, oh, what would I ask my parents? You know, what should I ask my parents? So I'm actually open to prompts on this because, you know, how you met, how they met each other. Great. Cool. What they thought when they were thinking about having kids, what they wanted to be when they grow up. But I start to sort of lose ideas here. And it's weird because I can think of countless questions for other people. But when it comes to my parents, I feel like I'm too close to the subject, you know? Yeah, definitely. And and talk about their parents. And that gets them uh, talking yeah. about how they grew up and what their childhood was like and some of the cool stories that you probably never heard. You know, I'm sure that everybody's got stories that they've heard from their family a million times. But if you dig deep, it gets people remembering things it's like, oh, I, I never remembered that. And then mm -hmm. you can get some really cool, deep stories and you'll have them forever. Yeah. Great ideas. I'm definitely going to get on that. All right. Next up. Hey, guys, I just wanted to say thanks for all that you do. I think I've been listening to your voice for 10 years now, or however long, back when you were the Pickup Podcast. Is that right? Seems so alien now. <laughs> I was hoping everybody freaking forgot about that, but yeah, that, that, was, that was back then. Long, long ago on a podcast far, far away. Yeah, not far enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've had your voice in my ears as I commuted to work in Hong Kong, whilst traveling in those sleeper buses through China, whilst walking around in Bahrain when I lived and worked there. Through Argentina, Singapore, Malaysia, Borneo, Italy, Spain, Portugal, India, Sri Lanka. Well, you get the picture. My God, this guy gets around. Yeah, sir, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Dude, you must be tired. I'm tired just reading it. I finally bit the bullet and took the AOC boot camp three years ago when I was quite lost and down. I think I expected a Hail Mary pass that was suddenly going to Anthony Robbins me out of my situation. And I think I was a little disappointed that there was no overnight change. Suffice to say, since then, things have changed immensely, and I can look back and say, yes, this was the catalyst. For me, it's maybe like most things in life. Maybe once you evolve to a certain stage, the changes you need to make are somewhat like steering an ocean liner, incremental. A few degrees to the right or left, and some fine-tuning is all it takes. So yeah, I can point to the boot camp as the turning point. I did see and learn lots of things, so thanks for making it happen. Sure, it's a business but I'm sure you're also gratified to know you're helping people change and better themselves, both big and small. Thank you, Roy. Thanks, Roy. The reason I wanted to include this, well, first of all, it's a pleasure to hear we've had your attention for a decade. That's amazing. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's really the highest compliment anyone can ever get. So 
Thanks for that. And what I love is the second part of this letter here. The compliments are all fine and good. But the second part of this letter, namely that the changes are incremental, like steering a ship. I love that analogy. And I use that a lot in business as well. But I love the idea because I think a lot of people do go to these Tony Robbins-like seminars where they expect you're going to have this crazy overnight change. Don't get me wrong. People come to boot camp. They make changes really quickly. But the real big stuff, the core level identity shift, the habits that change the way that you live, which lead to different types of career paths and relationships, that stuff happens so slowly. And this relates to an earlier question that we had a couple weeks ago on the show, which was how do you apply all this stuff? And the answer is you don't. You apply the things that strike you in the moment that are going to work well for you. You take one thing away, maybe even just one thing every week, not even every show. You apply that. You work on that. You keep a lot of this other stuff in mind. And through repetition and through hearing other people's perspectives on the show, Fan Mail Friday, and through the interviews here on The Art of Charm, you will eventually start to steer the ship in the right direction. So I just want people to know that if you've just found us recently, because we have had quite an uptick in the show, don't feel guilty if you're not internalizing everything or you're not thinking, wow, I have 87 action items and I feel great waking up every morning. That's not how it works for people who are successful either. It takes a really, really, really long time. I've been doing this. I've been on this journey for 12, 13 years now, and I still see where I want to be as several degrees away from where I am now. And my... The point is that destination keeps moving if you're doing it right. So thanks, Roy, for sharing, and thanks to everyone else for their attention, even if I haven't had your attention for a decade like I have from Roy. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. 
Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Jason, we got some feedback on Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yes, we did. We got a couple of them here. First, Jennifer V writes in, the innovative aspect of the Winchester rifle is that it was a repeating rifle instead of a single shot. It increased the rate of fire significantly. There may have also been some manufacturing innovation for mass production. And now we got another note that says, uh, what's up with not fact-checking in real time regarding the rifling? That was cringeworthy. Why didn't you check it? Yeah, I mean, one, the real reason Jason wasn't there because I did it in person and Jason had the day uh, doing some, some BS in L.A., right? Hey, if hey, I recall. Hey, I was doing my show in L.A. I'd, I'm just kidding. One of those things. And, and, and honestly, I was tired from your wedding, which was amazingly awesome. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good. Good enough reason. I think that stuff is largely irrelevant. You know, yeah, I can fact check in real time, but it doesn't matter to the discussion, really. And I don't think it's I just disagree that it's cringeworthy to not have every fact nailed down. I'm very, very suspicious of the idea that I needed to get down the fact that barrel rifling was invented in Augsburg, Germany in 1498 instead of talking with Neil deGrasse Tyson about something else. I just think it would be a massive waste of time to pause a conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson to Google the history of rifling or a historical landmark like the uh, Winchester Mystery House. Uh, Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I'm glad that y'all dig the show. I do value feedback like this. That is important to me. But on this one, I really have to disagree. We left that part in on purpose, and not knowing about that bit made for a teaching moment that had been really silly to cut. I mean, I got schooled by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he didn't know either, to be fair. And to just Google bulldoze, especially when given a chance to get schooled by someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, just seems like a wasted opportunity. So if that makes you cringe, well, there's there's nothing I can do about that because I fully plan on leaving in things that I don't know, especially when somebody of that stature is there to set the record straight. And no one's perfect all the time. You're human. Neil's human. The fact that one of the smartest guys we've had on the show gets it wrong, too. You know what? So be it. Not everybody's right all the time. But and it, and it didn't take away from the discussion of what you guys were talking about at all. Yeah, I agree. But the message here is your feedback is greatly appreciated, especially when it has to do with the format of the show or how you think we handled stuff. I like that. Um, and it's uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from that. Most of the people who gave us feedback were like, the earth is flat. You're in, an, in the Illuminati. I just discarded all that crap. But uh, <laughs> Delete. Yeah. But one guy, Sam, wrote in and said, 
Man, in your last interview with Neil, the part where you say, what dat mean, and then laugh under your breath is hilarious. I think it must be the delivery of the joke, but I've played it probably 10 times over and over now, and it just gets funnier. I don't know why I felt compelled to tell you that. I'm still working to implement the lessons from the interview. Thanks for access to the best of the best minds in the country. It's incredibly helpful. Nobody caught that joke. Did you hear that when you were editing, Jason? It was such I a did not. I, dude, I, that joke flopped so hard because he was like, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said something like, we need everybody to be educated, and, and education is important. And I said, what dat mean? Or something like that. Or it's yeah. like, we need, to, oh, it was ma- we need to make America smart again. And I said, what dat mean? As in... You know, I'm stupid yeah. and I don't know proper grammar. Nobody got it, so I giggled <laughs> under my breath and figured out oh, this is going to get cut out. And then it didn't. Oh, hell no. I'm, not, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> this is the one guy who was like, that was ridiculous and nobody else caught that. Yeah, that was. it was so stupid. And I just felt like, look, if I'm going to embarrass myself in front of Neil deGrasse Tyson, y'all might as well hear it too because it was so stupid. <laughs> I mean, I do that all the time, and I feel like some of those get cut out, but some of them, they just go by completely unnoticed, and I think, geez, nobody understands my sense of humor and how embarrassing myself actually adds, in my opinion, to the show. And I wanted to just give a quick pro tip here. I've gotten a lot of voicemails recently, just random stuff I'm working on for elements of the business. You got to leave a proper voicemail. So many people leave terrible voicemail when they call the AOC office. And for things like sales, if you're trying to sell me something and I can't understand you or I have trouble figuring out if you don't leave your number in the right place, and I'll tell you how to do that in a second, I just ignore you. Why should I invest the energy in getting your message if it's unclear and you're trying to get something from me? Other people, if I'm trying to establish different vendors, I'm calling three different places and they give me a call back. If you want to leave a really unprofessional impression that's going to affect your ability to close the deal later, then go ahead and leave a crappy voicemail. It does affect our decision to work with people in a lot of cases. And so a proper voicemail sounds like this. And I don't have a recorded one. I'm just going to do one live. Hi, Jason. This is Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm. My phone number is 734 888-383-3915. I'm looking for podcast production. Uh, I know you do a lot of that. I was referred by Jamie Smalls. Again, my name is Jordan Harbinger. My phone number here today is 734-883-3915. I'm in the Pacific time zone. I'm available from 9 to 4 sporadically throughout the rest of today and throughout the rest of the week. If you don't catch me, leave a message and I will get back to you. That's Jordan Harbinger. J-O-R-D-A-N, last name Harbinger, H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, Harbinger. Again, 734-883-3915. So that's how you leave a proper voicemail. And the reason that I do the name and the number so many times is because when people call, the name and the number is usually the thing that requires rewinding. If they're, if they're driving or if they're doing something or rewinding is tedious, like they have to push four, but they often push one, and that's what deletes it, that there are a lot of voicemail systems like that. They just won't do it. The message will get lost. Um, they will copy it down wrong, and then they'll delete it, and then they'll go, crap, I copied it down wrong. If you leave the important things, you spell out your name, and you use the phonetic alphabet on consonants that can be tricky, like S uh, as in Sam, N as in Nancy, B as in boy, that type of thing, and you leave it repeatedly, your name and the number, and you say when you're available and what to do if you're not, so they don't just keep calling you and not leaving a message uh, with their time that they're available. This type of professional impression is fantastic 
It sets you apart from everyone else. It shows that you're used to doing business with people that don't want to rewind, that you think ahead, that you think about other people's behavior. It says a whole lot of subconscious things uh, to people, subconscious and conscious, that I think are very beneficial, and it can really set you a foot ahead. And Jason, I don't know, do you agree with this? I feel like I get a lot of just terrible voicemail, and Jen just deletes it. If we don't know what it is, we got other stuff going on. We just kill it. Oh, absolutely. It's not your job to give somebody else your money. You know, it's what it generally comes down to. Somebody wants your money for something. So why make somebody work for it? And I I get terrible voicemails all the time and I do the same thing. If it's unclear to me in the first five seconds on what's going on, delete. Yep, exactly. Good point. All right. Next up. Hey, Jordan, about a month ago, I met a very great woman who I took a very strong interest in. We went on several dates and we ended up kind of slowly dying off. Is it weird to ask her what went wrong? I've dated many wonderful women in my time, but for some reason it really bugs me that this one didn't work out. At this point, I'm really just curious. Did I do something wrong or did she just end up being uninterested? It would just be nice to know for future reference. Thanks, Brian. Naturally, this is impossible for me to say what's happening here. I I have no idea. There's no details. But the reason I wanted to include this is because you can do a postmortem on relationships. And if you think you can be unattached and you think she can be honest, the postmortem might actually be worth something. If it's not, if you think they won't be honest because you're either because they don't want to hurt your feelings, often because you're still attached and you have an agenda of getting back together with them, it won't work. So you have to really examine yourself. Do you really want this to work? If so, not going to work. Don't go, don't get in touch. You can get in touch in a few months, uh, which may be a little weird. But if you can be unattached and you think she might actually be honest, then go for it. But remember, number one, she has no incentive to be honest with you. Most guys get crazy and defensive when they get feedback. So if she doesn't really know you, she's probably going to assume that that could happen. It's not worth the risk for her. Women have dealt with en- with endless amounts of shite from guys that are like, seriously, just tell me you know, what the deal is. It's all good. And they're like, oh, well, actually, you know... I don't like that you feel like you're self-important and blah, blah, blah. And then the guy's like, ah, screw you. I hate you. I'm going to slash your tires or be an a-hole or spread rumors about you. Guys do this crap all the time. And from the email, I know we redacted some of it that that was sort of not necessarily relevant. But you do sound attached emotionally. Why does it bother you that this didn't work out? Why? If you just want to know and see if you can learn something from it, that's one thing. But if there is any ego attached... This will not work, this postmortem thing. Three, she might not even know why it didn't go anywhere. It could be chemistry. It could be timing. There's really no sense worrying about those things, really. You can't do anything about it, and there's not much for you to take away. Just, Just enough to second guess yourself all the time when you're in the next one. So here's my recommendation. Forget about this. This isn't likely to help, and you're not likely to get real, actionable feedback Anyway, so just forget about it. Don't try to do the, the, the postmortem. Don't try to get to something going here for future reference. It's not really going to do anything, and I don't think you want it for future reference. I think you, you, you are curious about what went wrong because your ego is telling you that you got to fix that, and there might just be nothing to fix. And in this case, I think you're more likely to make it worse than you are to make it better. 
Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us at Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous. You can either make up your own funny name or we can do it. It does seem that Jason and I are a little bit less creative than y'all, though, so just keep that in mind. Or if it's feedback for the show or for us, we're fans of strong opinions loosely held, and we love to argue like we're right, but, of course, listen like we're wrong. So don't be shy to hit us up over here. If you've got your own advice for some of the people you've heard from today, let me know. If it's something that can help everyone, I might read it on the show. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF118. And if you're listening to AOC in the Overcast player for iPhone, please click on the little star icon. It helps on our listings and introduces new people to the show. Status is a favorite on Overcast. Quick shout out to Teresa Kwai and Chris Gonzalez at Harley Davidson. Yeah, you're surprised to hear your names, aren't you? I got people everywhere. And Adil B from Bangalore, India, who we heard about on the show last week. He walks nine miles to work every day and listens to AOC. He says it's transformed his entire life, and I'm really happy to hear that. The rest of us should never complain about our commute again. Dude walks nine miles to work. Ridiculous. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up. I'll shout you out. Love to hear from you either way. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's a great way to engage with the show. And JD, you're on Twitter, eh? And I'm on Twitter at JPDef. That's J-P-D-E-F. And you can also catch my podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks, every Monday. We're in the Podcast One app, iTunes, or go to GOG.show to find out more. And I just want to say thanks real quick to all the AOC listeners who checked out the show and uh, have been sending in feedback and questions over there. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely cool to see that you're getting like a, a little like sub following. Pretty cool from people who who like to hear about the tech stuff and listen to you guys complain. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> yeah. We- also, don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. Text CHARMED, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 in the States, or just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We're taking you step-by-step at becoming better at making a personal and professional connection, becoming a better networker, increasing your personal social capital and your charisma, and it's for both guys and gals. Of course, that is also free, so check that out. Text the word CHARMED. C-H-A-R-M-E-D, 233444, or just go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps, those we run every single week here in L.A. If you really want to dig into this stuff and work on your skills, your AOC skills with us as your coaches, go to theartofcharm.com slash boot camp and get the infos there. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.